If you would, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 12. We're going to be looking at the end of Acts chapter 12 um, and then going into uh, Acts chapter 13, mainly Acts chapter 13, but uh, looking at the last two verses of Acts chapter 12. So if if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 12, verse 24. Um, And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we come before you and knowing that you are the God that that has all the answers. You're you're the one that builds your church. You're the one that uh, establishes your church. And so, Lord, we we come and and we want to hear from you tonight. We submit ourselves to your Holy Spirit and the things that your Spirit wants to do tonight. Lord, would you, would you teach us? Would, would, you, would you allow the words uh, uh, of your Word to come to life tonight? Lord, as we look at the church of Antioch, how it was formed, who, was, who were its leadership, Lord, may that challenge us as a body. May it challenge us in the way we live our life and what we know of you in the power of your word and the power of the spirit. May we understand those truths tonight and may, uh, may we uh, leave tonight um, with, with, an, with a deeper uh, sense of of what you're going to do here in the near future with our church. And so we give you this time and this, this night, and we ask you to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. My family and I watched an incredible movie just recently. Um, it's called Harriet. And uh, this, this movie was about Harriet Tubman, Tubman and uh, she was a slave girl and she decided that she no longer wanted to be in slavery. And she knew that if she could go a hundred in just over a hundred miles uh, across uh, the terrain uh, of of the area, that if she would just go uh, be able to get across and get to the uh, to to free land, she would be free. So she uh, sets out and leaves and escapes her master's home and uh, begins her journey, runs for freedom, and crosses hundreds of miles to, to freedom. She encounters much adversity on the way, on the way hardships. She almost... It, passes away, she, she falls into a river and she begins to, to go through all these trials and these difficulties in the midst of trying to get to freedom. Yet, it was all worth the price of freedom when she got there. She was willing to do whatever it took to gain her freedom. And once she became free, She made it her goal in life to free others from the same slavery that she was enslaved to. As she liberated hundreds of slaves 
through the Underground Railroad. It was, it's an incredible movie, and I encourage you to go and, and watch it because it's, it's moving. It, 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 the passion that she had to liberate other slaves that were under the tyranny of slavery. And all the while, she would listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. She would listen for his guidance of what direction, allowing the Holy Spirit to navigate where she would go and how she would escape those that were coming after her. Incredible movie, and I I was moved by it. And, And it reminds me of the book of Acts, disciples of Christ who have tasted the freedom from sin, who have experienced the grace of God, who have been transformed by the gospel. And now they can't keep it to themselves. They've got, they've got, they're determined. They're determined to take the gospel to the lost and the dying world that's around them. They've experienced something so good. Freedom. Freedom from sin and the grace of God that, that they want to be able to give that away and allow others to experience the same grace. So I've entitled this message, Determined. Determined. Well, tonight we're going to take a look at a brand new church, a brand new church plant, plant that Paul and Barnabas plants in Antioch. Up until this point, the center of the church has been in Jerusalem. And now that center is going to, the epicenter is going to move out from Jerusalem. We're going to see the church determined as the gospel reconciles, as the gospel redeems, as the gospel overcomes, and as the gospel commissions. So if you would, look with me at Acts chapter 12, verse 24, and it says, but the word of God grew and multiplied. Oh, that's such a great verse. The word of God grew and multiplied. That's, that's God's heart for his church, to grow and to multiply, for us to flourish and to be in the word, to be walking in the spirit, applying truth. Church, if you're out there tonight and you have been lulled to sleep because of this quarantine, wake up. It's time to get in the word and to to seek the face of God again, to believe for God to do great things. And I believe, guys, church, God is beginning to do something, not only in our world, but in our nation and I believe that he's got plans, he's, he's moving, and we need to be right in sync with what he's doing. If you want to grow, you've got to prepare the ground. You've got to prepare the ground. What does that take? Well, if you, if you go out into the garden and, you, and things are starting to grow now, you go out into the garden and you begin to prepare the ground You have to till it. You have to work it. You have to begin to get into the ground and make it what it's supposed to be. you got to pull the weeds. Idols. 
Idols need to go. Idols need to be taken and thrown away. They can't be hidden any longer. Sin in the closet needs to be revealed. Church, we can't allow sin to remain if we want God to do great things through us. So we got to pull the weeds and we got to deal with the idols in our life. We got to start dealing with what's hidden that no one knows if you want growth. And then secondly, you got to plant seeds. You got to read, you got to meditate, you got to memorize. You got to start putting into practice what you know. The Bible in James, it says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word as well. Church, we've got to be doers of the word. We can't just be hearers only. We got to start pushing in. We got to start growing in the word of God. How much have you been in the word? during this quarantine? How much have you opened the word of God? How much have you been taking it in? I hope often. I hope it's not just during the service times. I hope that you're getting up in the morning or late at going to bed at night and you're meditating on God's word and you're taking it in. We gotta be growing. So the church was, was growing. The word was growing and it was multiplying Look at verse 25, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and they also took them, took with them John, whose surname was Mark. So Barnabas and Saul are together. They're doing ministry together. They're, they've gone to Jerusalem and now they're on their way back to Antioch. Now, we haven't heard much about Barnabas. Who is this Barnabas and who is this Saul? So at this point, the early church is multiplying. Remember, it started in Jerusalem with 120 followers of Christ, and now it's expanded. It's expanded to Samaria and, and Damascus and, and Caesarea, and now it's in Antioch. And, and now this beautiful church is being established in Antioch. As I started out four weeks ago, I said, our purpose in this life, remember, our purpose in this life is not to be happy, it's not to be healthy or blessed, those are good things, it's not to be rich or well off, it's not even to be spiritually well nourished, our purpose in this life is to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth, to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that's what the church in Antioch is doing. The church in Antioch is beautiful. Antioch is where the first multicultural Jewish, Jew and Gentile church was established. Antioch will become the epicenter of the early church. Everything will begin to branch out of Antioch and the gospel will spread to the world. You know how I know it will, be, will spread to the world? Because I'm here today as a believer and I, I am the repercussions of this, the gospel going out to the world. The gospel going out to you and me, a Gentile, outside of Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, 
The, the gospel has gone out. The church in Antioch was determined to advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's from Antioch that, that the apostle Paul will venture out on his missionary journeys. And when he comes home, he comes home to returning to home base, and that was in Antioch. You see, the church in Antioch, unlike the church in Jerusalem, it was thriving. It was a thriving, gospel-centered, Bible-believing, reproducing church. They're a church shaped by and molded by and fueled by Jesus Christ. Jesus has come and he has taken God's wrath upon himself so that those who repent of their sin will be clothed with his righteousness, with Christ's righteousness. And every man, woman, child who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and forgiven regardless of their culture and of their background. This was the first that would ever happen in, 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 the, life, in the life of the church. This was the church in Antioch. Relational dynamic, their, their relational dynamic was exemplary. They, they had relational, they, they were open, open to all kinds of people coming in and being a part of, of, the, of the church and, and participating in relationship with one another, with, in community, in fellowship with one another. They didn't care how bad a sinner you were <laughs> or what your culture, what culture you came from. Whether you were a Jew or a Gentile, they didn't, it didn't matter. Jesus Christ and the gospel were bigger than all of those things. The gospel was beginning to knock down the walls of culture and differences. This was a miracle. Look with me at verse 1 of chapter 13 now. It says, now in the church that was at Antioch, there was certain prophets and teachers. So what the first part of this verse is telling us is first the church in Antioch was established. There were teachers, there were prophets, there were leaders. Second, the church had appointed leaders. There was leadership, solid leadership leading the church, prophets and teachers. Every church needs solid leadership. Amen? Every church needs solid leadership that is submitted to the Lord. And I thank God for our pastoral staff here at Rocky Mountain Calvary. There's 13 of us pastors all working together accomplishing God's will here. All seeking God's will for our church. Asking God what he would want us to do. All with, the di all with different spiritual giftings and talents, but beautifully working together in unity to accomplish God's will. I thank God for our staff. I thank God for Pastor Eric for, for seeing and knowing and, and having vision for, for this church. I thank God for, 
for pastors like Bob, Pastor Bob, where, where he just has a heart of, of compassion, always loving, always caring, always wanting to step in. I think of Dan Johnson, a man that has a, a, a desire for, for evangelism and seeing lost people reached, the broken, the unforgettables, loved and cared for. I thank God for the pastors here. And as we look and see that this church in Antioch had a, a, a wide variety of different leaders, pastor leaders that were leading as well. God puts, God builds his church with his people. Let's take a look at who's on the leadership team here in, in Antioch. Look, at, look with me, continuing in verse one, and it says, Barnabas, Simon, who is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So let's begin by looking at the character in the background of each one of these. So begin, let's begin with Barnabas and Saul. We don't know much about Barnabas up until this point. I haven't taught through uh, talked about Barnabas when we've walked through the book of Acts so far. But turn with me to Acts chapter 4, verse 36. If you would turn over with, with me to Acts chapter 4, verse 36. This is the first mention of Barnabas. Verse 36, it says, And Hoseas, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So it's safe to say that Barnabas was all in. When the apostles renamed, when the apostles rename you, you're in. He says, I, I, I'm Joseph, I, I'm Hoseas. Not anymore. You're Barnabas. You're Barnabas because you're so encouraging. When we're around you, we, we, feel, we feel encouraged. We feel built up. And, and, and Barnabas, that's you. You see the good in people. You, see, you're, you walk with a, a, a grace that, that others don't. And so we're going to call you Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Not only was Barnabas's life transformed by the gospel, it's also affected his possessions. He was, a free, he was free to give all that he had to the furtherance of the gospel. He, he didn't hold on to anything tightly. He said, Lord, it's yours. Church, he was all in. He was, he was all in in what he was called to do. A man all about furthering the gospel. Look at verse 37. Having land, sold it and bought and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Money wasn't an idol in his life. 
So we have this generous man. He, he's, he's an encouraging man who has no problem submitting to the spiritual authority in his life. Obviously, because he lays the money at the apostles' feet and says, you do with it what you think is best. That's beautiful. He's a part of the inner circle of the leadership there in Jerusalem. Barnabas. Now, turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. We're going to look at Paul. And now we're going to look at We're going to look at Saul, and we're going to look at Saul's life and how it intermingles with Barnabas. Look at verse 9, verse 1 of chapter 9. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the the, the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asking letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus so that he, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Saul is a Jewish rabbi. He's an enemy of the early church. He was was the one dragging Christians from their homes and putting them into prison for the sake of being a Christian. This is Paul's life purpose at this point. So we have Barnabas. His life's purpose is to see the church grow and become all that it's supposed to be. And we see Saul, his life purpose is to see the church die. These two would have been known, uh, these two would have known about each other. Enemies of one another. We saw two weeks ago, Saul was, got, gets saved on the road to Damascus, right? Saul gets radically saved and begins to preach the good news to the city of Damascus. Let's pick up the story. Jump into Acts chapter 9, verse 26. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. <laughs> Well, of course they're not going to let him just join the disciples. He, he was the one that was persecuting them. Look what it says. But they were all afraid of them, all afraid of him, and did not believe that he was a disciple. Verse 27, but Barnabas. Oh, but Barnabas. Bar- but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at at Jerusalem coming in and going out and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists but they attempted to kill him. Verse 26 says that some uh, sometime after Saul's conversion he he comes to Jerusalem and tries to join the disciples right the persecutor of the church is now a preacher for the church he he was the high priest hatchet man 
And now he's claiming to be a Christian convert. And in verse 26, it says that they were all afraid and didn't believe that Saul was a true believer. Is there anyone who would take a risk on Saul? Is there anyone who can see that, see in him that there was the making of a, of a great leader and a great pastor? One and only one rose up, and that was Barnabas. Verse 27 says, Barnabas took him and brought him to the, to the apostles. Barnabas became his advocate. The one that was an enemy to him, he takes under his wing. The result is the church accepts him and his ministry, Paul's, Saul's ministry in Jerusalem flourishes. How is it that Saul and Barnabas are working together to build the church? How is that possible? They were enemies of one another and now they are in ministry together. How is that possible? Because the gospel reconciles people. The gospel reconciles people. The gospel restores people that we think could never be restored. That's the beauty of the gospel. Look at this. Two people, enemies of each other, working together Church, that's a miracle. Later in, in Acts, that those, these two are willing to die together for the sake of the gospel. In Acts chapter 14 and 15, if you read on, you'll see that, that trials come. They're, they're beaten and they're, they're, put to, they're, they're stoned. And they're willing to die together for the sake of something so great. Freedom from sin and the grace of God. The gospel reconciles the worst of enemies. It doesn't matter what you've done or how, how bad you, your past has been. The gospel reconciles the worst of sinners. I don't know where you are out there right now. I don't know who you are or what you've done. But I will say this. The gospel reconciles the worst of sinners. You might be saying, Sean, Pastor Sean, I don't know. Uh, you, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know, you don't know my past. Oh, but Jesus does. And no sin is greater than the grace of God. So that's Barnabas and Saul. That's two, two of the leaders in the, in the church of Antioch. Now let's continue to look at, at who else is in this, this leadership list. Next is Simon, who is called Niger. Simon, uh, commentators say that he was a black man. Niger means black. Many people believe that he was from North Africa. Definitely a, a, a Gentile. 
with no Jewish background, culturally different from Saul and Barnabas. Saul was a, a, a Jewish rabbi. Barnabas was, was a Hellenistic Jew. And yet, and yet now we see Simon of Niger, a Gentile from Africa. Next is Cilicius of Cyrene. Cilicius is from North Africa as well. From Eastern Libya, another Gentile yet accepted into the family of God. This was crazy. The church has never experienced this ever before. This was this was crazy talk to have Gentiles on the leadership team and, and, and all this stuff, and, and, and yet we see it. The gospel redeems all cultures. The gospel redeems all cult- cultures. You see, God started with one people, didn't he? The Jews. One people group. He started with Abram. He calls Abram and he says, you're going to be my, my spokesperson. You're going to be the one that carries out. I'm going to call you out and I'm going to, I'm going to send you to a place that you don't know where you're going, but I'm going, but I'm going to lead you. And yet God's heart from the beginning in Genesis chapter 12 was for all cultures, all peoples, all nations to know him and to have a relationship with him. Genesis chapter 12 says, Abram, you're going to be a blessing to the nations. You're going to be a blessing to all the peoples of the world. And at the end of the book, in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 through 10, it says, After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were, they were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The gospel redeems all cultures and it begins to happen in the church of Antioch. Lastly is Manian, who has been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Now, sometimes we can just read through this and not really understand the background of who, who this is and, and, and the importance of it, but I want, this is very interesting. This is Herod that I talked about last week a very evil, evil man from a very evil family. Manian was family friends with Herod Antipas, the one who had John the Baptist beheaded. Do you remember the story? Manian would have spent a lot of time with his family. They were family friends. They would have spent time in social gatherings and they would have gone out together and they would have spent time at each other's homes. Manian might have even been at the party that Herod had 
where his stepdaughter danced for his friends as they lusted after her. And in return, she asked for the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Talk about depravity. Talk about a sick family. Mannion was a part, was associated with this family. Talk about a messed up family. And somehow, Mannion is associated with them. This is the Herod who had part in, in putting Jesus on the cross. The animosity and the hatred the church would have had towards, towards this, uh, this Herodian Manian. Yet the gospel overcomes the darkest past, doesn't it? The gospel overcomes the darkest past. Manian comes from a dark line of people, and yet the gospel overcomes. It transforms his past, and it, co- and it can transform yours as well tonight. Doesn't matter what your past is. Doesn't matter how, how far you think you've, you're, you're gone from, from the things of God. You might be saying to yourself, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter because the gospel overcomes the darkest past. So we have Barnabas, a Hellenistic Jew. We have Simeon called Niger, a, a Gentile from North Africa, we have Cilicius of Cyrene, another Gentile from Libya. We have Manian, a Herodian, and Saul, a Hebraic Jew. This would be a perfect reality show today. Put these guys in one house and let's see how they get along and how, how they destroy one another. Yet somehow, somehow, the gospel reconciles all of these into one. The leadership, the pastoral leadership of the church in Antioch. You see, these men on this list would have been trained growing up to despise each other. But God, but God intervenes. You know what I love about this list of church leaders? Most of them were really messed up. (laughs) Broken people. People like you and I. Broken vessels. God desires to use broken vessels to shine forth his brightest light. Church, he wants to shine through us. The Bible tells us in Matthew, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, but they put it on its stand so it can give light to everyone in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may know your great good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. God desires to use broken vessels to shine his light through. If you only knew 
the colored past of our pastoral staff. You see, some of you think that we're just, we've been godly all of our lives. (laughs) A picture of grace, a picture of God's love. Because guys, we have colored pasts. That he would call me into ministry. If he only knew the flaws of each one of us. You see, church, we can never outsin his grace. We can never outsin his grace. What I love about the church in Antioch is they were they were breaking down the walls of hostility. They were breaking down the walls of cultural identification. They were breaking down the walls of colored pasts to form a new body, to form a new people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God where we were alienated, Christ made us one. No longer Jew or Gentile or free or slave. All are one in Christ. That is beautiful, church. That is incredible. And it's because of the power of the gospel. It's because of the power that's in Christ alone. Now that we looked at this list uh, of church leaders in Antioch, Look with me what happens next. Look at verse two. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The gospel commissions. The gospel commissions. They were praying, fasting, They were seeking the Holy Spirit, desiring to to minister to the Lord, maybe in worship, and and they were were just loving on God and glorifying his name and and speaking speaking the things of God to him him that, that is on the throne. And as they did, God began to speak to them. The Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Some of you out there are wondering, God, what is my calling? What what do you have for me? What do you want with my life? What do you desire to do with my life? If that's you, let me encourage you first to do the things, the first things first, and that is pray, to worship the Lord, to seek his face, to to be in his presence Be waiting on the Lord and and allowing him to then speak to you. Seeking the face of God, trying to understand the will of God, what God's will is for your life. How do you think they heard this that happens in verse 2? Where it says, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me. Do you think it was an audible voice? The Lord is speaking to us. Or do you think it was one of the prophets that was amongst them. I would, I would imagine it was one of the prophets, the teachers, the pastors that were there, one of the five, and one of them says, I believe the Lord is saying that God is saying, separate 
Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to, and they begin to speak into, they begin to speak the word of God to them. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in the church many years, and I've had, I've seen a lot of people come through the church, people that have words and things that they're they're like, oh, brother, I have a word for you. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Like, I, the Lord gave me a word for you. And, and, and you, you, you kind of take it with a grain of salt. You're like, uh, okay, what is it that he said? <laughs> and you start to line up and start to listen to that, but you, you're a little bit reluctant to, to receive it because you're not sure who they are and what, what they are, what they're going to say and what it is that, that, is going to be said. And so here, here's these men sitting and in, in they're, they're waiting on the Lord and, and God speaks. And I believe it was spoken through one of these men. And, and as he did, they listened. Now when someone gives us a word, do we just, do we just take it and say, oh, that sounds great. I guess I, guess I should go do that. Absolutely not. In fact, we should, we should know that, that every time the, the Lord speaks through someone else, we should always line it up with God's word. And if it contradicts God's word, then throw it away. It's not good for you, and it's not from the Lord. Secondly, we need to seek out confirmation to know that it is from the Lord, and oftentimes that comes through spiritual leaders in your life. So you take that and you line it up with Scripture and you, you, you see how God's Word uh, speaks into that. And then, in light of that, you seek wisdom from your leadership and you, you ask your leadership to speak, to, to give you confirmation that that, that is from the Lord. And as these men are seeking the Lord and worshiping God, the, the Lord, the Holy Spirit speaks. And, and the men that are in their presence are bringing confirmation to that. And the gospel commissions Barnabas and Saul. A few things that I, I think that we need to consider in this is that Barnabas and Saul were the ones that planted the church in Antioch. Barnabas and Saul were the ones that were, were speaking into the life of the body. They were the ones that had invested their life into this, this new church plant that is thriving and becoming so vibrant in, 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 for, the go, for the gospel's sake. And yet, somehow God is calling Barnabas and Saul away from the church that they begin to plant and, and to thrive, and now they're saying, I want you to go somewhere else. Church, sometimes our best need to be given Sometimes our best on staff, sometimes our best in the church, our best believers, our best 
best people need to be sent out into to the lost and dying world here. It reminds me of Kent Nolly and his family. Kent's a dear friend of mine that, that loves Jesus with all of his heart. and He was such a blessing as he was here on staff. And as he was here, man, he would bring the word and it was so powerful and so good and, and so encouraging and, and such a blessing to my life. And yet, we've sent him away. We sent him to the other side of the world. We sent him to Africa, into Uganda. And now he's there, stuck in this coronavirus and and can't go anywhere. And, And yet, he's one of our best that went out for the Lord. You see, the gospel commissions And oftentimes, we have to lose some of our best, and it stings, guys. Church, it stings. It hurts. Yet what's interesting is, look at verse 3. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. They listened They confirmed, and then they obeyed. They obeyed the word of God. Here's what's interesting about the, the, the leadership uh, of the church of Antioch. As they came together and they were seeking the face of God, they were waiting upon the Lord to hear from him desiring to know the next step, trying to, to anticipate the, the, the next thing that God wanted for them. And church, I, I, think, I think this is so important for us. As a body of Christ, as leadership, as we seek the Lord for, for our will, for, for our purpose in this life, what do, you, what do you want me to do? How, how, what's my calling, God, in, in, in all of this? And as God calls you out, that you would be listening and not missing his call. Oh, how we need to seek the Lord and be aware of how he speaks. And yet, they send out their best. You know what the results of this is? Look at verse four. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. All of a sudden, Paul and Barnabas are now sent out, and incredible things start to happen. The, the spread of the gospel begins to start to spread immensely. Incredible things start to, to, the Spirit of God starts to move through them. 
Churches are planted. People are saved. Miracles start happening because they're obedient to what God had called them to go do. Because of their obedience, God began to move through Paul and Barnabas in powerful ways. Tonight, that's where I'm going to close. But I want to kind of bring to light some of the things that we looked at tonight in, in light of our church, in light of where we're at today. You see, my heart is that we as a church would take on the characteristics of the church in Antioch. That we would be willing to die to differences. Oh church, we need to die to differences. We are really bad at this, especially in America. Church, we have so many prejudices. As we walk into this building, Church, be very careful as we come back from all of this that we don't judge one another. Oh, that person's wearing a mask. Oh, that one's not. As we begin to walk this out, it's going to look really weird and different. It's going to be life after this coronavirus, and and I I don't know what it's going to look like, but I do know this, that we need to be willing to die to differences. We need to be willing to love graciously and love people where, where they're at, whether their culture is different or, or, they're, or they're, they're different in, in some other way. We need to be willing to die, die to those differences, because the gospel reconciles. The gospel reconciles. We need to be willing to give, up, give our best in every situation, willing to give our best away. As God calls us as a body to take steps of faith, to risk greatly, to begin to, to do greater things for God as, as he may call us out from here and into the world in different areas and begin to impact the world, we may have to give up some of our best. We need to be willing to trust him for the next steps. Trust the Lord in what he's calling us into and trust that we're hearing the Lord correctly and to start moving out in that. You see, I pray that that we would be a church determined. Just like Harriet Tubman Determined, determined to see slaves free. Church, I, I hope and I pray that we as a church would be a church determined to see slaves, those slaves to sin, freed from, from sin. That the gospel would go out, would go forth, that we would be ter- determined for the gospel's sake. That nothing would stop us from doing God's will. In fact, instead of lolling to sleep because of all this, we would get up and we would begin to move. Begin to move for, for the sake of the gospel. 
a church living in the reconciliation of Christ, forgiving one another. Forgiving, walking in, and restoration, and reconciliation toward each other. Because if the, if the world can't see reconciliation here, how, would they, how will they see reconciliation out there? We need to be the example of reconciliation to, to the world. You see, reconciliation comes through repentance, comes through forgiveness, and comes through grace and love. So let's be set apart in the calling of God. Let's be set apart, sanctified for the things that God is calling us to. And remember that he uses broken things as, he, as we step into that calling. Broken things, you and I. Broken vessels that he can shine his light through. And then lastly is listen to what the, wor- the Lord is speaking. Listen to what the Lord is speaking. Be sensitive Remember where I started at the beginning of this? If you're not growing, then you just start to grow. You need to pull the weeds and plant seeds. You need to start getting in and start digging into to cultivating that soil so that when the Lord speaks, you're ready. What are you willing to do for freedom? What are you willing to do for freedom from sin? Church, that's our mandate. To advance the kingdom. To advance the gospel to the ends of the earth. Let's do it together. It's time to proclaim his, his good news. So as we close, make that, purpose that in your heart tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the challenge of this, this church, this leadership, Antioch and its leadership, Lord. We pray that we would become a church like this. Lord, a church that is determined to see truth sent out. A church determined, Lord, to to. Uh, be about your business, to be about your gospel, determined to take the gospel to the lost and the hurting and to the broken and to, and to the lame. Lord, I pray that, that we would be a church that understands that the gospel reconciles. It redeems cultures. It overcomes the, the colored past uh, of our lives and it commissions us to go out. And so, Lord, commission us as a, as a body. Lord, would you, would you start taking us and start putting us into, into your plan? Lord, would you reveal your plan to us? 
Lord, we don't know exactly what's, what's coming, but Lord, we know one thing, and, and that is you are working. You're working in the midst of all of this, and so Lord, would you use us? Would you place us in the middle of all of that and, and, and put us into, uh, use us as your hands and feet to accomplish your will in, in this world today? Lord, help us to love our neighbor as we look out our windows today. Help us to speak truth, to be kind, to be tender-hearted toward those at the grocery store. Lord, help us to be your body, to reflect you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.